Thanks for downloading the UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. For more information, go to www.ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this podcast, a recording from Melancholia, a two-day intensive multidisciplinary seminar devoted to exploring clinical, theoretical and artistic approaches to the topic of melancholia. The event took place in the National Museum of Ireland, Decorative Arts and History, on Friday 7th and Saturday 8th of November 2014. The event was organised and funded by the UCD Humanities Institute and co-sponsored by the Irish Institute of Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy, the Irish Forum for Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy, the Association for Psychoanalysis and Psychotherapy in Ireland and the Centre for Gender, Culture and Identities at University College Dublin. Podcasting was by Real Smart Media. This episode features Dr. B.J. Benvenuto, psychoanalyst at the Centre for Freudian Analysis and Research in London. Dr. Benvenuto was introduced by Dr. Anne Hall, lecturer in English and director of the Centre for Gender, Culture and Identities at University College Dublin. Our next speaker is Bice Benvenuto. Uh, she is a psychoanalyst practicing in London. Uh, Bice is a founder member of the Centre for Freudian Analysis and Research and of the Maison Vert UK. She's the director of the Casa Verde in Rome and visiting professor at the New School of Social Research uh, of New York and at Florida Atlantic University. She's written several books and articles on psychoanalysis and literature, uh, including the works of Jacques Lacan, An Introduction, and Concerning the Rights of Psychoanalysis. So thank you, Beecher. This film is something, well, in all von Trier's films, there is something about bare life. And that's very disturbing. Uh, there is always like a rent in the symbolic social uh, uh, network. There is a whole, a rent, not a whole, a rent in the network which keeps us sane. Uh, that is basically what von Trier's work um, it's not just that, but that is a very important point because it explains also how people may love him and really hate it, <laughs> a bit like Justine, detestable and uh, lovable. Um, uh, and I also would like to take up the last point of the speaker uh, as we have started with Fontrier, okay? Uh, it's not that I want to analyze the author. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to do what he called bio biopsychology, uh, but is important because uh, Fontrier speaks. Unfortunately, he should only make films. Um, what did he do, Akan? Uh, he destroyed or tried to destroy his reputation, his career, exactly like Justine. So really, Fontrier is his films, and his films are Fontrier. And that is, okay, we could say that of anybody. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we can't say art, the, uh, the act of art needs a distance. The distance that the artist tries to fill up <laughs> uh, because there is a loss. We could say that the loss is the human lot. Mm. No, um, in this, I agree with Melanie Klein. 
uh, when she thinks that the depressive position is fundamental position for human beings to become human. Huh? Uh, if we all uh, uh, sort of uh, got stuck to the schizo-paranoid one, uh, yeah, it would be, would be a different world altogether. Uh, so why depression? So a, a kind, um, in a way, um, Lacan uh, agreed with Klein. They really go hand in hand up to this point. Huh? Just to now reply to your talk. Uh, they have understood, both of them, maybe more than Freud himself, than I say why, that the human lot is the lost object. And if we have an unconscious, it's because we have to elaborate, because it's mourning that we have to do. The unconscious is mourning. And if we think of a contemporary symptoms, a symptomatologist, um, where almost, it seems almost that the unconscious is vanishing. Uh, where there is a pure acting out, you know, cutting oneself, anorexia, uh, panic attacks, uh, um, addictions, you know, uh, all these, well, they are all acting, symptoms that are acting out, they, they, they act something rather than elaborate. So that there is a psychoanalyst who says, uh, but quite a few, so, who says, uh, we are in a in, in, a, in an era, in an historical uh, period, uh, where the, we are starting to see the subject without unconscious. <sighs> For the psychoanalyst, this is you know, what? <laughs> How will we do make a li living uh, without uh, without the unconscious? <laughs> um, but is um, this is not a new thing. Madness, psychosis, is a lack of an unconscious. That's the difference between the neurotic and the psychotic. Whether it's a melancholic one or a paranoid one, uh, the difficulty is that we are not working with the elaboration of a morning, which is always not enough. When Lacan, the only time uh, Lacan talks a bit about melancholia, because Lacan doesn't talk much about melancholia, uh, but only in certain moments, um, uh, when Lacan talks in Desire and its interpretations, and he talks about Hamlet, huh? So Hamlet, we could see Hamlet as, is he a melancholic? Is he... And Lacan says, no. He's not like Justine. But I don't agree with Lacan. Huh? <laughs> I'll tell you in a minute why. Uh, I think that Hamlet was really crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he makes a difference, and I'm still considering it, right? Because who knows? Um, he thinks that Hamlet is the tragedy. Is this a tragedy? Is this film a tragedy? 
Tragedy is exactly the artist, the writer, the playwright, Shakespeare, <laughs> who, through the whole in his mind, <laughs> has to feel it with has to try to find a representation for it. You know, art is like language, like any expression of creativity that we have. Is trying, we in a way sublimate what is the, now we come to the naked truth, uh, to the naked life. Uh, we have to create another one. We have, to, we have to create a network that doesn't make us fall in the naked life of Justine. Because that's how Justine sees the, the world. Uh, the naked life is a life that doesn't make sense. It's a pure, you know, this is, uh, I, I don't say this is what, well, actually I don't know what this is called. <laughs> what, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, I don't see it as something that, that well, speakers speak behind it, you know, to an audience. But I think here there is a piece of wood that goes like that, and you know, there isn't a sense. Sachs was very good with this famous patient who took the wife for um, for a hat, yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh, or someone who couldn't say wouldn't say couldn't say bottle. Say this is uh, some plastic that is a circular. Yeah, you know, is 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 a vision doesn't see it as a bottle of water. No, this is a form of naked life. Um, so Justine, yes, cannot um, cannot see. Of course, it seems at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the film, when she marries, you know, <laughs> it's a big, uh, big wedding and and all that, and she smiles and smiles and smiles and smiles, and the sister says, "But you are lying to all of us." Smiling is a way of not seeing, like, you know, when I don't care about anyone, I smile, yeah? Just say, leave me alone, you don't exist. In fact, in the party, in the wedding party, the others, the guests, don't exist. Huh? She enters there late, she gets there when, when she wants to, uh, she really doesn't seem to care. Uh, um, and but in fact, the only two people she cares about, the only one that she welcomes or accepts the welcoming, are her parents. Those two monsters. Mm. Hmm? She seems generally to love them. She doesn't love anyone else. The poor husband. <laughs> Yeah, of course, you know, you are lying to us, says sister. Yeah. She smiles and smiles, kiss and kiss, kiss and kiss, smile and smiles. But, you know, uh, uh, the husband gives her this stupid card. If you can see, this is, this is stupid. There is, the reality, you know, is stupid. Yeah. 
uh, doesn't make sense. That card for that man who is completely in the symbolic, in the marriage, in uh, um, uh, buying a house uh, with a nice garden and, and all that, in the future, who believes in the future. Huh? And she, for her, all that is garbage. Uh, so, life is garbage. That is the Marie Connick. But before carrying on on this line, I will do a little preamble on the word melancholia. What does it mean, melancholia? Uh, it has different cultural lines um, meeting in, in the word melancholia. Melancholia, uh, oh, uh, until from, uh, from ancient times, until uh, the 19th century psychiatry, meant madness. What we call now madness at the time was called melancholia. So melancholia was psychosis. And then that started to change after Freud. Freud was the last one who used the word melancholia as madness. Freud doesn't talk about melancholia as the melancholic Dürer's, yeah. No, it's not Dürer's picture for Freud. But Dürer's picture is another line. Uh, it's another line uh, where uh, is the, the, the woman who um, is full, in a way, of the objects uh, of, um, of knowledge. Uh, that is, that, you know, that Dürer was an... Uh, was following um, following alchemy. You know, he was an, uh, very much an alchemistic um, uh, how can could we call it uh, painting. Yeah, it was a um, so. It's um, from there, melancholia became then a romantic concept. You know, the fact that the artist. Um, was often melancholic, uh, uh, as if um, it, um, it was taken as if uh, the artist who creates needs a bit of a melancholia <laughs> to do it. But in fact, it's the other the other way around. It takes a melancholia maybe to have a, an artist, um, or to have. Um, uh, someone who can create his own object or her own objects which are not the real object. So uh, here Klein and Lacan starts to part. Huh? Their, their parts start to part. Um, even though Part, but I'm I'm a Kleinian as well as a Lacanian in the sense that historically, culturally. I mean, um, Melanie Klein is much more deeper than we think, hmm? or as many Lacanians think. Of course, lots of people think that Klein is very deep. Um, but the fact that she believes in the object is a little bit. Mm. Uh, and and uh, and that the objects are good and bad. 
Lacan says no, it's not a question of being. It depends the object which is not there and the object which is there. And if the object is there, you are mad. When the object is not there, you can work towards a life drive. I, let, let's not use a sanity, <laughs> normality, these words, okay? But you can elaborate. You are mourning, you are human. Klein doesn't say it, but Klein takes it for, for granted. In a way, is the basis of a client's work that the breast is lost from the very beginning. The breast is lost. And the lack of breast makes the breast bad. Yeah? But like I said, do we need to say that is bad? I say it's not there. It's not there, it's lost. Are, are we afraid of mourning? So, mourning uh, is easier, in a way, uh, than uh, the melancholic choice. Um, because in mourning is that you have really lost something. The object as a real is not there. Even if the breast of the mother is still there, whatever is past has gone. The breast that I have now is not the breast I had five minutes ago or five seconds ago. So there is anyway a losing in life. There is a time in life. <coughs> and time means that we are losing all the time. All the time, that's time. Otherwise there wouldn't be time. And so the sense of a future to which humans you know, stick to, like Claire, what will happen of uh, my son? You know? I say, okay, Claire even accepts at a certain point that they will die, that, that, that the three of them will die and the whole humanity will die. But she said, but not life. Life has to carry on. She's still holding to uh, the last hope, uh, human hope. Uh, she's human until the end, Claire. Uh, she wants life. She's the one who is fully in the will to live, uh, even if that means my own death. But the important thing, she identifies with life. The important thing is that life continues. Uh, Justine says, oh, no. I know, I know uh, that life will not continue. It's not anywhere else than Earth. And Earth will go soon. Mm. Um, she is really talking like a priestess, because she is a priestess in the end. Mm. But even though she's a priestess until the end, as somebody said, say that he, she, you know, uh, uh, somehow she had a distance from death you know, that made her act. Hmm? Uh, while the others, her, her sister, couldn't even act. She only uh, went to and fro with, the, with this child. She didn't know, you know, somebody who is just mad. In fact, 
Claire gets mad. Yeah, panic. Let, let, let's say you know, panic attack. She she's in a panic attack. Um, not Justine at all, but um, there are various faces, very subtle faces, in the sequel of uh, Justine um, leading up to death. Huh? Um, there is first the first part destroying her life, basically, uh, acting, acting out. Mm. And then there is the psychotic breakdown. Mm. Uh, she goes back to sister, the family. We'll see how important here the family ties are. And now we'll see in what way <laughs> the family ties are fundamental in this field. You know, it's all about that. Um, she goes back to the sister house, who adopts her. Um, and then the news that the planet may hit Earth. And then she starts to get better. Uh, when she eats, when she's in her um, breakdown, food is tastes of ashes. She's eating the dead. The dead, not, not the dead. Huh? Um, the dead uh, that, that she has cannibalistically um, killed herself. Huh? Um, after that, you know, when finally the nephew you know, gives her the information, so now look, yeah. she said, "All right, now I know. I know that the planet is coming." And she, she starts to eat sweet things all the time, hmm? not not ashes anymore, but no meat. <laughs> she eats marmalade, jam. Hmm? Uh, <coughs> So, and that is already a strange passage. Why? Why is she starting to eat sweet things? And then there is the, let's say, erotic encounter with the planet, uh, uh, where she completely gives herself to it, to its gaze. But, of course, that's a planet gazes at you uh, no really uh, but isn't the planet herself or her melancholia finally melancholia is out there and the planet is coming opposite killing her and everyone is what Justine is doing but the planet comes to do it. And that's very important that it's the planet that comes to do it because that gives some space to Justine for, I call it, a last-minute morning of a melancholia. For the first time, 
she is able. You know, she has this attitude of a priestess. Of uh, she knows what she's doing. She doesn't fear death. Actually, she is for death. She is towards death. It's very Hadagarian. You know, this being for death, being towards death. Death is almost your erotic object. So we couldn't even call it masochism because masochism there must be a sense of pain. Um, well, for her it's not pain. It's a ah, you know, you deliver me. You, you, you know, uh, that's that's the end. But everyone else has to die. It's not enough that I die. Because the others, my um, torturer will still be alive. So, um, while well, this film is not later, that is right there coming. The whole film is coming. That we are just, we know it's uh, one minute, two minutes, you know, five minutes. Um, uh, so, so uh, almost her cynical attitude changes in the last minutes of the film after she finally encounters her nephew. She realizes with the nephew that he is not a melancholic object. He's the only one who is not a melancholic object. Is someone separate from her and uh, uh, someone who says, I am afraid there is no salvation here. Uh, and she suddenly takes on the mourning, because the boy is mourning. It takes on the mourning of the child. And for the first time, she cries. So this is the mourning just before death. It's strange, because mourning is supposed to be after death. But this film is incredible. It makes you, and that's why it's so, uh, you have to mourn your own death and everyone's uh, death before. And that is the pathos of the film. Huh? And the mourning is happening. The mourning really happens. She can cry, and then she can give, accept her own ritual. She can accept the sister rituals with wine. <laughs> uh, but she said, if we cannot go beyond life, uh, because there is no beyond for Justine, like for women, for women's sexuality, which is going beyond, is going on this side, going back. She has to erect something, an object in the place of uh, this uh, this loss, huh? and then she has a right of salvation. So uh, the planet hits, but we have the sensation, even though, even though we know that the planet has hit us and therefore them. We have the sensation. Yes, the planet has hit everyone, the Earth, but them, because they are mourning for the last minute. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm. Thank you.